Uh, Jacqueline, uh, feel free to share your screen. All right, so this week I am going to be talking about Google and chat GPT for, I feel like I'm always comparing Google to something or meta to something. So true, true to what I talk about, we are going to be going over the um, Google and how they announced their new AI features within Gmail docs and um, also their slides and their sheets in an attempt to rival um, Microsoft, as well as ChatGPT released their ChatGPT 4 literally on the same day that Google announced that they were creating some new features to roll out. So the rivalry continues and it is hilarious to myself and many other people who are following along with Google and Microsoft slash now we can say Microsoft slash OpenAI and the um, the gloves were brought out. So we can start with um, Google and this article is from The Verge. It's written by James Vincent on March 14th. And so Google has announced that they are going to be releasing some AI features in a variety of um, workspaces, including Google Docs, Gmail, Sheets, and Slides. Um, and it <clears throat> the new features use generative AI to help users automate tasks, generate content, improve collaboration, which, you know, this this these additions really make sense for what Google is great at, which is providing these online free to use applications that are very collaborative. And so they really have added a lot of value to um, what have already been incredibly valuable tools for uh, for a lot of people. So uh, some of the some of the things that you're going to be able to do are draft, reply, summarize, and prioritize in your Gmail, brainstorm, proofread, write and rewrite in docs, bring your creative vision to life with auto-generated images, audio and video in slides, go from raw data to insights and analysis via auto-completion, formula generation, and contextual categorization in sheets, generate new backgrounds and capture notes in Meet, and enable workflows for getting things done. And so <clears throat> the the um the really interesting thing about this is that it is it's accessible but it's not for somebody who who it doesn't closely follow tech or you know they're not somebody who chases emerging technology all of these features are going to feel like oh this makes sense and it makes my life easier and i think we really need that right now with you know as we talk about all of the new products and features that are coming out literally every single day with the uses of ai 
a lot of it requires some decent background knowledge or an extensive background knowledge in a variety of different areas. And so, you know, we can really all get behind Google's choices of just saying, hey, let's remember that um, AI is amazing, but it doesn't have to be super complicated. And, you know, this these are not just use cases, but this is really taking everybody baby steps to that next level. Um, and so, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> Um, and I think one of my favorites is that in Google Sheets, for example, the AI-powered smart filter uh, or smart film, sorry, will feature automatically filling in databases based on patterns and past behavior. So, you know, if you're if you're um, doing a sum equals and, you know, you're trying to create a lot of these equations, then it's going to guess similar to if you're using um, Visual Studio and C Sharp and it has that, uh, it has the ability to predict what you're trying to do. We're now going to see that in Google Docs. We're now going to see that in Sheets. And <clears throat> another one that's I'm excited to try is that there's going to be um, some quickly created, really beautiful presentations for the Google presentation. So it's you know it it's removing some of the the barriers to to entry, and not even to say that Google presentations is there's a lot of barriers to entry. But for somebody who's not a designer, then it can feel daunting or frustrating to think you know. What, how can I make this look acceptable? So there's going to be a lot more opportunities for that. Um, <clears throat> so um, the, the new AI powered features, they build on the existing AI capabilities in all of Google's pr productivity apps. Um, and so if, if you're wondering, you know, what was, what was the predecessor versus where we are now, if you think about when you type an email in Gmail and how it would say, you know, do you want to type this sentence or, you know, do you want to, um, it would give two to five words, what it's going to be built out, um, quite a bit from that. So that step one to where we are now, um, but for you know any time that we're talking about AI, the use of AI in these productivity apps raises questions about privacy and security. And so, you know, it's always important. It, I, I don't think that the conversation of privacy and security could come up enough. You know, every single time that a pro is is thrown out there, it's important to remember that we have to be thinking about the ethical, the privacy, the security to to each of these things, not just as a whole, but you know, to each of the the new products that come out, as well as, of course, its impact on human jobs and creativity. Um, but <clears throat> Google is being smart, in my opinion, on how they're doing, um, how they're releasing these tools. Again, baby steps. They're not trying to do something. They're not trying to get us to the moon. They're trying to get the general public more familiar with how AI can be used in the day to day. And they're also you know, addressing 
concerns and really emphasizing their commitment to responsible AI, which I think is awesome. Um, and there's they have stated that AI tools are designed to augment human intelligence as opposed to replace it, and that they are really committed to addressing AI concerns and creating technology that's ethical as well as responsible. And so, you know, I don't know, you, we could say that it's lip service, you know, I, I don't know that Google knows how to do that any more than anybody else. But, you know, the fact that they are continuing to lead with, yes, we are thinking about the ethical ramifications. Yes, we are thinking about privacy. Yes, we are thinking about this, our tools as a way, a means to augment as opposed to replace. I think that that then becomes sort of a, a foundation for everybody to continue to operate within those. Yes, we are also thinking about privacy. Yes, we are also thinking about ethical ramifications. And, you know, yes, we do also want to create content or create content that augments as opposed to replaces. Um, and so on the same day that Google released all of this information and all of these new tools, ChatGPT decided to do a mic drop and release or announced that they were releasing ChatGPT4. So whether or not they had intended to release it the day of, we will never know because so the all of the features that will be available for ChatGPT4 will are not currently available but they did announce that it's coming and there are some um there are some features that you can use right now so that poetic timing to say the least um but of course as always chatgpt does an amazing job of summarizing what it is that they are doing and helping people to really understand what 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 where we are and then of course and then you know next steps of this is where we have moved ahead so <clears throat> chat gpt4 can solve difficult problems with greater accuracy thanks to its broader general knowledge and problem solving abilities so let's see if we do let's see here it did have oh here so i this i'll come back to this but the this statement here it can solve difficult problems with greater accuracy and broader general knowledge i think that down here it does a better job of explaining of um a practical use case so it says that it surpasses chat gpt and its advanced reasoning capabilities so the output the input here is that Let's say you're a manager and you're trying to schedule a, uh, a variety of meetings. You put in Andrew is free from 11 to 3. Joanne is free from noon to 2. Such and such and such. If you do that in the ChatGPT versus ChatGPT4 and you put the exact same information, the, both of them create the appropriate Andrew is free from this time. Same, same, same. But the ChatGPT4 actually got this problem correct. So the common availability for a 30-minute meeting is from 12 to 12.30, whereas the um, ChatGPT basically hallucinated and... <laughs> 
<laughs> made up an arbitrary time um, and it was incorrect. So something like this is a is a very good and clear indicator that it is able to process information a lot more thoroughly and and um, get correct information based on that context. Um, and as an aside, one of the things that I have seen pop up a number of times is that people will say, oh, ChatGP is awesome. And, you know, it, it can give you all of these amazing facts, but it can't do two plus two. And so that <clears throat> that is is essentially what this is showing this back and forth that it's not going to be perfect, but it's going to get a lot closer to some of these very basic tasks. Um, and then the larger context is another really awesome feature. So it's capable of handling 25,000 words of text, allowing for use cases like long format content creation, extended conversations, and document search and analysis. So not only can you upload more information to ChatGPT, but it will output up to 25,000 words, which is significantly larger. I believe that the previous one was somewhere around, let's see, I think 3,000. So that is a lot, a lot more processing power. Um, it doesn't say this here, but previously ChatGPT was able to answer questions. And if you asked it, hey, can you come up with let's say uh, I used it to come up with um, a use case for developing an AI platform to help children learn AI. So it gave me a couple of different ideas for how I could use AI to help children learn AI. Um, but this is actually, will be able to ask questions. And so, you know, if you're a teacher and you're trying to figure out a good way to, um, you know, get students to understand the content and, you know, you want to help with the test or, um, you know, whatever that those use cases may be, it, it now does have the ability to think abstractly in that sense, which I think is another really great use case. Um, so this, I, I do need to, to add that it's, this 25,000 words is not available yet. Um, and the other really amazing feature that ChatGPT4 is releasing is also not available yet. And we're not entirely sure when it's going to be available to the public. Um, it does On their website, it does say that you can sign up to be waitlisted, which is pretty common anymore for any of these new feature releases. But the this other just absolutely amazing feature is going to be that ChatGPT can accept images as input, generate captions, classifications, and analysis analyses. So this is their example. What can they make with these ingredients? You could make pancakes or waffles or crepes or French toast or quiche, muffins, bread. And so this... <clears throat> Um, the fact that it's going to be able to be uploading or, or responding to photos and there's a little bit of a rumor that it's going to be able to respond to videos, although I doubt that that's going to be in the um, immediate chat GPT for is huge. Um, not only will it be able to receive photos, but there's talk that it will be able to output photos. So they are potentially merging that Dolly technology with their uh, chat, B chat GPT 
technology. Um, and I know that we've talked about this in the past, that ChatGPT was able to pass the bar exam, it was able to pass the medical licensing exam, but we said that even though it passed, it passed as, you know, like a total slacker and just barely passed. But this ChatGPT4 passed in the 90th percentile for the bar exam and the 99th percentile for this biology Olympiad. So it, it with its ability to process that 25,000 words um, along with in the back end of things, it was trained, it was trained to be smarter, not necessarily bigger. Then it was taking feedback from users. It was taking feedback from people who actually work at OpenAI uh, to be able to better fine tune output. And so, you know, just in that those first months, we're seeing incredible growth and in accuracy, which is really amazing. Um, so this. This is sort of their statement of we spent six months making ChatGPT safer and more aligned. It is 82% less likely to respond to quests for disallowed content. So I know we had we had talked about how Bing had started harassing people and doing all sorts of crazy things, trying to take over the world and get people to divorce, <laughs> divorce their spouses. So um, they really put that as a priority. And so, you know, there's going to be a lot more safeguards in place and it is 40% more likely to produce factual responses um, compared to the chat GPT-3. So um, when you, when you're typing questions to it, it will still hallucinate in that. So hallucinating means that it, it just sort of makes up information to be able to sound correct or to be able to make a logical conclusion. And <clears throat> ChatGPT 3, 3.5 was notorious for doing that. Um, and ChatGPT 4, when I started to poke around, it will still make up random information, but it gives these caveats like, you know, I'm not an expert in this area. This information is may not be correct. You're going to want to fact check this, but and then spits out this data when it's unsure versus with ChatGPT 3.5. It's like, hey, this is the truth by the grace of God. And, you know, take it as take it as 100 percent factual. So you're getting these clues that are saying, hey, you may want to do some additional fact checking on this because I'm not quite sure. And again, it's not going to give that every single time, but it's doing a lot better of a job of trying to help you to feel more certain when it's certain and less certain when it's less certain. Um, so some of the places that you can already see chat GPT for um, in its full and entirety is that they partnered with Duolingo. They have, <clears throat> they partnered with Be My Eyes, which is a um, low visibility accessibility um, 
partnership. And so it's using that photo recognition to be able to create auditory cues for people. Um, and it has already been a huge game changer for low visibility people, which is amazing. Um, they partnered with Stripe. And so Stripe is leveraging ChatGPT to streamline user experience and to combat fraud, which is awesome. Um, Morgan Stanley is an interesting choice. Their wealth management deploys ChatGPT4 to organize its vast knowledge base. So here, you know, we're already seeing other companies getting in, you know, buying in and getting their own version to be able to really fine tune models. Um, Khan Academy is using it. It's limited in its pilot program, but they are starting to use it in a similar way that Bing has those um, has the the chat and response features. And then Iceland, Iceland is using it to preserve their language. So sure, why not? That's a use case that I would not have put as in the the top, you know, one of the first adopters, but good on them. So, excuse me. Um, the the changes that we are seeing between in just six months are staggering. Um, one of the things that's not listed on their website and is absolutely incredible is that because it, it can process photos um, as a, a developer, they had a developers conference and they did a live, a live testing where people could come in and see somebody from OpenAI uh, using it and exploring all of the features. And one of the developers took a photo of his sketchbook with a terribly written handwriting and just a very general, like rough, Figma board of what he wanted this website to be. And he asked OpenAI to create a website that features dad jokes and have it code. And I think it was JavaScript. And so he, um, from the this terrible photo that he took and he uploaded it onto ChatGPT4, it created code, the code worked, and it had a functioning website. So is it going to be as beautiful as this? Not a chance. But in this just is going back to in six months, we are seeing staggering leaps and bounds in what it is able to do. Um, it's showing that it's going to be, as, as I said, able to take in photos and create information from it. It's going to be, it's faster at coding. It's better at coding. Um, and so I'm really, really excited to see, you know, in the next six months, what, what we're going to be seeing from them. But um, one of the, as in a, a nutshell, some of the applications based on these updates that you could be using ChatGPT for are natural language processing tasks, um, because it's, it, it currently has a more realistic human voice to it, um, and it has a, a more natural pacing and rhythm, which uh, would be able to have customers support chatbots and virtual assistants. So it's going to enhance those customer experiences through their improved chatbot interactions. Um, it's going to be better for content generation for blogs, articles, and social media, um, for code generation and software development assistance, and <clears throat> for language translation and summarization. I don't believe 
no, it's not on this website, um, but they do have a list of that's floating out in the internet ether of the languages that it's most proficient in. And I, it's something like 15 or 20 different languages. So I actually was testing it in, in Hindi because um, my husband is from India. And so we, I was using it to translate information or translate my conversation into Hindi to talk to his sister. And she, she said, how did you get this? How did you type so well? And I said, well, I use ChatGPT4. And her mind was blown. So for anybody who's used Google Translate um, or any of the, you know, the translation websites out there, this blew it out of the water. And it was with like 99% accuracy that it got it correct. And <clears throat> so then, you know, the, the last couple of things that we may see this being used for is, again, that creative writing um, maybe not necessarily for something like marketing, but um, a lot of the a lot of people are talking about applications for books, poetry, for music, um, even just for brainstorming. And then um, just in general, businesses can be really thinking about Chat GPT for um, and leveraging the this these abilities for increased efficiency and cost saving measures. So you know maybe instead of laying off like ten thousand employees, you could do some upskilling and reskilling to train your employees um, and you know help them to grow and be more efficient so that you are you are boosting productivity to get a, a greater sales rather than cutting costs um and you know like basically living having everyone live in fear so that with that i will stop sharing if i can get this here we go and we'll open it up for discussion between the two well i think we have to keep the perspective of what other tools are available to do these things, like for the calendaring uh, facility where you want to coordinate uh, to create a, a meeting time. You know, there's always already great tools that do that far more efficiently. Uh, and uh, like I, for the Mac, I use a popular program calendar program called fantastical. And it just does that so much more seamlessly than what, than, than what you were showing with chat GPT. Um, also, although it may pass the bar exam or, you know, some sort of medical exams, uh, the hallucinations are just too much to swallow. Um, you know, if I talk to my lawyer and he says, oh, sorry, I just had a hallucination right now, I'd be looking for a different lawyer. Uh, same with my doctor. Absolutely. Same with, <laughs> yeah, same with some sort of AI program that's driving my car. Uh, you know, if it's saying, oh, I just saw a car in the tree branches over here, I'd say, okay, I don't want this thing that's hallucinating driving my car. And so um, I think the hallucinations are sort of a big deal. And uh, in terms of math, uh, I've been attending a course on um, how these chatbots work internally. It's based on a Stanford course. And um, I said, you know, it, it was going, they were going over, oh, this is how I can learn how to do math. I said, this is just a very inefficient way of doing math. Isn't there a better way to do this? Can't the chatbot realize when it's in over its head with math that it just needs to uh, transition to 
more traditional mathematical uh, facilities. And they said, yeah, we could do that. Uh, also, another topic that we talked about was um, how to have the bot learn how to reprogram itself uh, and, and run its, its own performance metrics on changes, ask it to change its programming, take part of its programming and ask it to change or modify that and then plug that modification into itself. And then, um, and this is a, something you would do, have the system do off in a corner uh, by itself, not on your production system, but uh, make changes to its own programming and then test those out using its own per performance metrics and come up with better versions of itself. And I said, you know, you might not understand how it works anymore once it does that, but do you really care if it's performing so much better? So uh, the researcher I was talking to said, well, that would sort of screw up our our code reviews and stuff like that, but it's an interesting idea. So I think uh, the stuff with Microsoft or with Google, this is all a natural progression. Um, mm -hmm. And you expect that these things have to happen. And I saw on CNBC the other day, they said that how is all of this affecting, how is Microsoft's additions affecting Google search traffic? And apparently it's affecting it very little. So um, this is hardly making a dent in terms of the, the Google versus Microsoft thing. Um, so that was interesting. Someone else, uh, one of the other anchors on CNBC mentioned that um, you could now take a photograph of what's in your refrigerator and uh, you know the new version of ChatGPT could give you a bunch of recipes that you could make based on the contents of your refrigerator. I, I told that to my wife and she said, well, big deal. Um, what about all the contents of your shelves, of your pantry and all that stuff? Um, so that's true, you, you need to consider all this other stuff as well. So there's a lot of, this is a sort of the natural progression of things, a lot of things that you would sort of expect to happen, but there are a lot of bumps in the road, I think, along the way. And Jim, I want to point out one of the things that you had started with is there are a lot of companies who are already doing things like this <clears throat> with AI and they're doing it really well. That's actually one of the critiques of um, the AI that chat or I'm not chat GPT that Google released is that they there are there were a lot of little companies who were trying to get in on um, document review and you know time organization and all that stuff and um it it may be that they are pushing some people out of the way so that they can continue to be leaders in the industry so we will see what happens as as these big companies fight for position number one, how many other companies are, you know, stopped in their tracks because Google, for instance, is releasing all of this stuff for free. And, you know, ChatGPT, a lot of this stuff, I mean, I pay for um, the professional versions so that I, you know, and so that meant that I could have access to ChatGPT for sooner, but, you know, very within you know, probably a month or so, then a lot of that stuff will be available in the free version. And so its capabilities will also stop some of these smaller businesses that are trying to capitalize on AI. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see who is actually able to, 
to to get in the game and stay in the game. I, I think in the case of Fantastical, for example, the calendar app on the Mac um, and, and on iPhones and all that stuff as well. But I think for that, this is they're not using AI. These are just traditional features that have been available for some time. And in a sense, they're better than than the AI performance. So and, and likewise, uh, Wolfram Alpha, for example, does a lot of mathematics stuff and it's better. There's a lot of AI that's built into uh, the Wolfram products, but that's been out for a while, a long time. And um, it's better than the math that that you see the chatbots doing. And in fact, it's um, I mean, the Wolfram products, they will do symbolic calculus and differential equations and stuff like that, which is way beyond what the chatbots are doing right now. So um, I think there's a lot of great products that are already out there. Uh, and it's it's sort of incumbent upon the AI products to even match their, pro their, their performance, come close to their performance. Um, so anyway, it, it's just like with self-driving cars, for example, um, it's very hard to come out with a self-driving car, but the technology that goes into that is great at driver assist and can save lives right now with driver assist. And so uh, that kind of stuff, I think there's all kinds of opportunities for this stuff to improve our our uh, our workflows and improve our lives and so forth. It's just how do we use everything in the smartest way? How do we use the best tools in the smartest way? Or keep up with all of the tools yeah. in, in a way that doesn't feel like you're drowning. This <laughs> is where I'm at each week. <laughs> so Dominique, would you like me to go? Yeah, yeah, please. Okay. So let me see if I can. Um, this is the Scientific American. Okay. Is the board with your pen? Is that uh, a mouse or a whiteboard? Where is that coming from? It's weird. I select one thing and it shares something else. Okay, here we go. Yes, AI uh, outraces, right? Human champs at video game Gran Turismo. Yeah, uh, so they've, I don't think if you're a race car driver, you want an AI controlled race car in the race with you. But um, one level of performance is to train AI to drive a race car for example, in a video game. And real race car drivers, they are special people with special training and special skills. Um, you know, To get the fastest performance out of a car as it's going around a track without killing yourself is quite a feat. And so uh, AI systems have been training to do that just by themselves, just run laps by themselves. And so now what they've done is um, train it to race in a video game with other cars being there. Uh, so this is not real world, but um, it's another sort of milestone to uh, get part of the way there. Um, 
So anyways, I thought that was very interesting. And there's a great Scientific American article on this. Scientific American does a, a lot of very interesting coverage on these topics. And so um, uh, it's it's sort of a great thing to read about all this stuff. Um, uh, Alphabet's sort of in a similar vein. Alphabet's Waymo cuts more than 100 jobs in second round of layoffs. So I think what's happening is there's sort of a realization that having a self-driving car is a lot, a, a, a big thing to bite off and chew. Uh, there's a lot of technology involved in trying to get that to work successfully. But using this stuff for driver assist is a wonderful thing. You can save lives by doing that. So this is a Reuters article um, that goes into all the self-driving car efforts. And, you know, uh, here they say, the job cuts at Waymo are part of a wider layoffs across the auto and tech industry, including, including at Rivian Automotive, General Motors, and Meta Platforms. Uh, where they're sort of cutting back on some of these self-driving efforts. So I think things are sort of reorganizing uh, to uh, sort of take care of the gap between what you need to do for a self-driving car and what you need to do for driver assist. And um, Ford Motor Company pulled the plug on self-driving unit Argo AI in November. So it's very interesting to track this technology and, and see how companies are reorganizing the allocation of resources to these various functions. I don't know if I covered this last week. I don't think so. I was reviewing the video and I, I don't think I covered this. This is from MIT, MIT News. And it was a headset that they set up uh, that could view things that are hidden visually. So you might have some stock somewhere in your warehouse that um, allows you, this, this system would allow you to find things that you can't normally see. That thing, it allows you to see things that are in boxes, hidden behind the boxes that are in front of you and so forth. This is what I need to find things in my house, you know show me where all the hidden stuff is that I, I haven't been able to find. So uh, this is an MIT system designed specifically to do that. And it's based on uh, using these uh, chips or uh, tracking devices that you can attach to something so that you can uh, find hidden items. I think that's sort of cool. Uh, this is sort of something that's interesting from an engineering standpoint. What you're seeing here is an augmented reality system that shows you the electromagnetic fields in the area of a device. This is normally something that you can't see. And so uh, this system, and I have a little video here. I'll just play a little bit of it. Many of the systems that we interact with. The problem of the technology was that you could capture that light, that image. We bring those images back that exist within the field. Well, I'm, I don't have time to do a whole lot of video, but um, 
basically you can wave sort of a wand around. Let's see if this shows it a little bit better. Yeah, I think this is the better video. You wave sort of a, uh, a wand around, a sensor around, and it will plot out the electromagnetic fields. Uh, yeah, I'll let this play for a little bit. So this is at hackaday.com. It's mapping out the electromagnetic fields around a device. So you could do this for a variety of different sensor inputs. You could do it for heat to see how um, engineers love this kind of stuff. You can map out heat, for example, to see what parts of a uh, device are emitting the most amount of heat. Uh, in this case, it's magnetic fields. So there's a large family of applications that this would be good for. You can map your aura, and I have to say it. Yeah, your aura. <laughs> You can officially map your aura, and that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of like Ghostbuster. Like you yeah. probably can kind of draw a ghost. <laughs> yeah. So I love this kind of stuff. Uh, many years ago, Radio Shack, which I think is all out of business now, uh, they sold a device. It was a magnetic pickup for your telephone. You'd stick it. It has suction cup. You'd stick it on your your telephone, and it would. Um, you know, allow you to uh, play, amplify your telephone through a speaker. And, um, but the cool thing about that, it was an electromagnetic pickup and you could run it over your computer, for example, and you would hear all this stuff that's going on inside of your computer. You could uh, run it over your cell phone and you would hear all this crazy electronic activity that was going on in your cell phone. And in fact, uh, there was a big scandal about uh, diplomats in Havana, for example, <laughs> hearing these sounds, and um, that you know there was some sort of focused weapon on their heads, and it would make them hear these sounds. Well, the sounds that they described hearing were very similar from what you would hear if you ran this electromagnetic pickup over your cell phone, and um, they said that this was happening at the upper level floors of newly uh, refurbished uh, hotels and so forth. That's exactly where you put your, your cell phone uh, antennas if you've got a repeater system for a cell phone. And so I just wonder if what they were picking up was uh, electromagnetic fields that were focused on the user's cell phone while they were in this uh, in this space that was near cell phone antennas. I went to uh, a meeting one time of a local cell phone provider that was trying to get approval uh, within a building uh, to mount cell phone antennas on the exterior of the building for a cell phone repeater station. And um, this, you know, they had to be very careful about the amount of power that was being focused by these antennas. Uh, there were a lot of standards for how much power your system could use in, in, in this situation. And I just wonder, is this what people were experiencing? They were just inadvertently getting exposed to uh, these cell phone stations. And so anyways, this kind of technology, I think, is just fascinating because it opens up a window uh, to see things that we normally can't see. And I think... Uh, 
this this is a great way of using augmented reality for engineering systems to map out electromagnetic fields, map out heat, map out all kinds of things. Uh, so anyways, that's my stuff. Before we move on, I want to say that I'm super excited that you brought up that MIT article because I had considered uh, talking about that. I love that technology. Sorry. Um, so I, one of the things that uh, it, you had not mentioned, which I, I think it's totally worth mentioning, is that there are a lot of applications for that technology. And the, <clears throat> there's all of these caveats that say we are not anywhere near ready to release this beta, 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 beta. We're not even sure if this is safe because it's it's exposing people to radiate like uh, some amount of x-ray radiation um what x-rays for what what is it x-rays in what way so it's the let me see where is it i have a note on here so it's saying that while researchers have, I've just has this have this note here that says while researchers have stated that the technology uses low power x-rays Wow. there's still a risk of harm from exposure to radiation. So they're just not sure. And I'm sure that's, you know, something so, so, so small, but they're being smart about covering their tracks. This was a, this was a, the MIT system was different in that it was using these little tags that you can buy right now that work with your Android phone. Apple sells them that work with the iPhone and they help you locate something. Uh, in this case, it was instead done visually, but it was using the same sort of technology, although they had their own uh, custom way of querying these devices. But it yeah, doesn't, it's, that does not use x-rays. X-rays would scare the heck out of me. So and maybe we're talking about the same thing, but they had said that it's creating a map, right? They It creates this overlaid map. Yeah, um, yeah. And the one of the sensors I think that you were talking about is those security tags that are on clothing. Mm -hmm. That's something. Um, yeah. Yeah. But one of the one of the applications, let me see, I've got a note for that. Where is it? That right here, that the technology has a wide range of potential applications, including helping emergency responders locate people inside of trapped buildings, allowing construction workers to identify hidden structural defects in buildings, or even help with medical imaging. So this this technology is amazing, absolutely amazing. And I, I do hope that we continue to see money being put into something like this, because especially for first responders, um, that would be unbelievably helpful to be able to see trapped people, um, you know, and, or locate things. If you're going into a building, you know, maybe they're able to fine tune it to look for weapons. So if there's no weapons, then you don't have to assume there's weapons, then you're not drawing a weapon to enter into someplace. And you have, a, you know, you have, you're going into someplace with more ease and hopefully there's, there are less, accidental shootings, you know, and whatever the, the case may be. So I'm very excited to continue to pace what MIT is doing here. Well, there, there's um, a system that already exists for cell phones, you know, that allows you to like locate your cell phone. Let's say you misplaced it or something, uh, but there is a system that will help you locate your cell phone. You know, what if you had a setup whereby people who have their cell phones on them get in a building that uh, collapsed during an earthquake 
And you could automatically turn on that feature in emergency situations, even if they don't normally have that turned on, have Apple or whatnot turn it on so that you could then locate them in the rubble using their cell phone. That would be a great way to do things. So um, there's all kinds of opportunity for use of these systems, I think. Now, in terms of x-rays, I, I don't think you'd want something that's emitting x-rays. The, there was a, a thing that happened probably in the mid to early 1900s where um, when they first discovered x-rays, they created a system for shoe stores where it was a big box. You could stick your feet in it and it would take an x-ray of your feet in the shoe store you know, to see how well the shoes are fitting or whatever. But it was using x-rays and they found that that was a bad thing. You know, it was creating a lot of x-ray exposure for people that you don't want. It could cause cancer and so forth. So um, they had to get rid of those. But um, x-rays, you got to be very careful with. But this other stuff is is uh, much lower energy and you don't have to worry about that so much. So it's, it is all interesting technology. Dominique, did you guys have something? Yeah, yeah. I'll talk about shoes. I remember I saw one startup that create a shoe, like a, a, a shoes that allows people, for example, if you go out jogging, right? And you will have the, you will transfer your energy into electricity and uh, the shoes will store your running into battery and there will be a USB charger at the back and you know you you have shoes right and on the back of the shoes there's a USB so every time when your phone run out of battery you can just recharge and you just keep running right and then on your shoe is full of battery and you can charge your phone it's, it's like a hamster wheel built into your shoes <laughs> I think this is very smart well there's an interesting uh thing that I, I noticed uh, sometime back, and it's insoles for your shoes that vibrate. So if you spend a lot of time uh, on your feet all day, you can get these insoles and the vibration is so subtle that you don't even notice it yourself, uh, but it can improve the circulation of your feet. And it turns out that if someone has problems with the nerves in their feet, for example, peripheral neuropathy, that um, they have problems with proprioception. So they have problems feeling what their stance is and so forth. So if they like look up straight up in the air, they may lose their sense of balance. But the vibration in their insoles uh, can help the nerves. It's sort of uh, a use of noise that helps the nerves get more accurate information and can help with those proprioception uh, problems. So that's an interesting technology as well. Maybe, uh, and, and they have a battery in them. So maybe uh, you could sort of combine these two systems so that walking around and running around would recharge the battery in your little shoe vibrator and uh, would, would help you if you're on your feet all day or if you have peripheral neuropathy. It, it reminds me of Matrix. I think human beings probably the battery of aliens, right? They just keep us hallucinating so we can keep busy and we create some energies and charge their spaceship. There you go. There you go. So uh, <laughs> there's a pat in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
Cool. Yeah. So let me share with you my minds very quick. Yeah. So we talked a lot about AI. And uh, interestingly, that Musk, long time ago, donate $100 million for open AI. And for some reason, because of a conflict of interest of VC. So he left open AI in 2018. Now this business grow to $30 billion and more. So it's a very interesting uh, saying that I think Ma uh, Musk is going to uh, create another AI because he found out that uh, the open AI is a little bit misleading and grown to something that he doesn't he, he doesn't align with the vision for the AI. And Microsoft just canceled uh, the group of ethical the, the ethical group for censoring. AI in Bean or uh, in Microsoft Team. So I think it's a little bit concerning about this because there's a book called Singularity and it says that if AI is going to, you know, outsmarter than human, the star game point is also the end game. The, the, when the game star is the end game immediately because yeah, yeah, if who like imagine are we allowed bunch of monkeys to room us, right? So same as AI. How can AI tolerate like monkeys to to govern them? So yeah, so I I, I do think that um yeah um ethical group or something that um help us to censor the AI um, well kind of help us to kind of not really be defeated by AI so quick. So any thoughts, comments? That should be, I mean, at this point, it should be a mandatory, a mandatory, um, I don't know, not even feature, but just a part of the process that if you are working on AI, you have to have something, someone that is, that is working on the ethics because it, it only takes one person. It only takes one project to get things going in a really bad direction. So <clears throat> that that is really disheartening to to hear that Microsoft, being such a front runner in this industry, is throwing ethics out the window and saying, "Oh, I'm sure it'll all be fine. I'm yeah. so, I'm so yeah, sure it'll is... all be fine. We're going to ignore the warnings of all of." all of the people who are currently speaking, all of the science fiction writers and, you know, futurists who've been talking about best practices, you know, to be able to move these things forward, because what's the worst that can happen, right? <laughs> like, I think oh that they're, gosh. they're trying that there was an, uh, an interview of um, Microsoft president on uh, 60 Minutes. And he said, within a day of that New York Times article coming out about you know, the their chat bot hallucinating and, and asking the reporter to leave his wife and all this stuff. Within a day, he said they had clamped down on that. So they're trying because it's not, certainly not good PR for them when crazy things like that happen. And I think everybody was trying to trigger, tr trigger those weird answers, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everybody's just trying to see how evil or how mis misbehavior that AI bot can be. Well, 
that's useful. It's good for people to run these things through their paces and find out where the problems are, what the limitations are, and so forth. You want to do that with, with new technologies. You want to sort of try to get them in line. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. And uh, I think Musk has a, a great vision for all the, all, all the, I would say, ecosystem for the, the earth, right? He has Starlink, which provides free internet. And later on, he will has Tesla phone, which allows people to kind of connect anywhere, anytime. So people just need to pay the, the fee for the Starlink and you can go anywhere. And there's always Wi-Fi and always using Wi-Fi to call. I think this is brilliant and also uh, self uh e-car right and also like uh, go to space i think all the stuff he create it's pretty meaningful certainly involved in a lot of stuff yeah pretty cool okay so another news is that google and the google glass google glass is probably one of the pioneer ar glass however they uh they are going to stop the the entire uh, uh, distribution and no longer can uh, buy it anymore. Um, and uh, also Microsoft HoloLens has already um, shut down the entire department um, last year. Really? And so just shuttered all of that? Yeah. I mean, HoloLens is such a big thing, right? In the past, all the enterprises using. Uh, yeah, I was surprised by how yeah, like last year, it was all metaverse, right? And this year, metaverse seems a word very close to something that obsolete. Didn't <laughs> like, they have military contracts for the whole? Yeah, world? I think they, they they kind of cancel or for some reason. I I remember a long time ago we have we we have an article which talks about the military that has said a lot of soldiers complain about how heavy it is and how. Uh, nausea like people yeah, disorienting yeah. they couldn't get people to get past um all of the the st- all of the hiccups that as regular users who are trying to do beat saber for 15 minutes you know if you're trying to be in the field with extreme precision there they was just too much hindrance that that initial contract that they won they they st- a, they only got a portion of the funding and when they tried to continue on their their funding stopped and they said that there was just an overwhelming amount of people who did not want to use it so the technology just wasn't there for them to continue on and that was a huge hit for Microsoft lens or for Microsoft and HoloLens because I don't know, that was a huge portion of their funding yeah so i can say that last year was the glor like the, the year of metaverse build and this year is AI. Everything is AI. And I think metaverse just like a fallback and start keeping working on it. And maybe after a few years, it will rock again. But I think it's the bubble burst. Uh, um, like well, there's a year. lot of applications that are growing right now for augmented reality. Hmm. And we're starting to see the glasses Hmm. sort of come into their own you know where you're not wearing a big headset and all that stuff yeah so i yeah. think that's like, probably the next phase yeah i think now the the headset is just too giant right 
Um, yeah, and uh, remember, I remember one of the episodes we talked about uh, banana size of VR gargoyle or AR gargoyle, right? And uh, now the, the size will become smaller and smaller. Apple, Meta, they are going to launch their AR glass like a more lightweight. Um, have you ever tried Ray-Ban smart glass, glasses? You've been trying them, haven't you? I, I, yeah, I have one. Yeah, um, it, it's like a sunglass, but it's much heavier than the actual sunglasses just because, you know, they have a lot of AR, AI, some like voice command, augmented audio there and taking photos. So it's definitely um, heavy weight. And I can say that um, it's kind of a template size fit for all. Because I mean, I'm, I have Asian face. So when I wear it, I think it's for people who got a bigger nose. So every time you just like a slide down and I had to buy the nose pad when I wear it. So yeah, so it's not like a, um, yeah, they partner together and kind of uh, put some technology inside. And also Ray-Ban uh, made a partner Ray-Ban that, that smart glass, uh, it has an app which allows you to kind of doing montage types of things. For example, like when you go out, you can just say, hey, Facebook, take a photo. And it will kind of, you can hear the sound and there's no, no visual at the front. It just, you just hear something like a shutter uh, sound, sound effects. And uh, you kind of understand, oh, this view was being uh, shot it. And later on, you can check your phone and it will sync to your phone. And uh, there's uh, kind of a template button and you can click and it will generate whatever you see today and make a 10 uh, seconds, 20 seconds uh, short kind of film or and with the sound, with the auto editing. So it's like one button and it will kind of create a short video and ready for you to send to Instagram and, and uh, Facebook or download it, maybe share to TikTok. So it's, it, it's a very cool device. And I said that, yeah, in the future, all the glass supposed to be smaller. I think Google Glass at the beginning, the reason why it fails is because first it launched too fast because difference from software. Software the engineer, once they release beta, beta version, they can um, uh, kind of revise it over the cloud. But the, the hardware device, once you ship, you couldn't really work on anything because the, the actual product is at the hand of the customer. You couldn't really do anything to change the, the hardware setting. So they launched too fast. And the second is that the look of Google Glass looks too gimmicky. So for example, the, the, the Ray-Ban, it looks hip. It looks really fashion. So I even wear it to, to go to Habit Hamburger, to buy a hamburger. And I wear that sunglass. You know, the, the staff doesn't even notice that I'm, 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 I'm video then. It has a little red flashing light, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. It didn't. Oh, it doesn't. No, no, it didn't. So um, Ray-Ban, uh, uh, Smart Glass. Yeah, 
I mean, I was so surprised that people didn't even uh, notice that. It's, it's interesting. It's just to have a little kind of camera ring, right? And it didn't have the red thing. It's just like when you wear it, it just looks like this. Look I mean, like yeah, and doesn't even have this light. So it just looked really cool, but with the, the front like this here. But this looks, I mean, yeah, looks just like an accessory. Yeah, if you I see someone- I what's going to happen in the future. I mean, as we're talking about privacy concerns and recording people- <laughs> Well, that you know, I wonder if you're gonna if if you are recording, like you you hold up your hand or you have this like little sign that's like, "Hey, I'm recording right now." Or you know, how how do we we how are we gonna get people's consent to you know have have everything around them recorded? Although you know, if I'm if I'm taking a video of my daughter, I'm not asking people around me, oh, hey, can I get your consent? Because you're in my video. So it'll, you know, obviously a use by use case on what the application is, but it's definitely like, like, um, I don't know, like a secret agent spy and you're in stealth mode, you know? (laughs) Well, there, there is an issue with that in the sense that, you know, um, like you can't, whip out your cell phone in a locker room at the gym or something like that uh and start taking pictures uh and and so there would be a similar issue with with these glasses in that regard but isn't there next to the camera there's a little white spot Hmm. in that picture um yeah isn't that a light that flashes uh as far as I know, because when I take photos, I didn't even see things. But if you record videos, probably that one will be gone. Yeah, I think it supposedly flashes, although I don't know if anyone would notice it. Uh, that was one of the original, that was one of the criticisms of the original Google Glass, is that it looks so distinctive. And people started to realize that people might be taking photographs with this distinctive looking pair of glasses, and it freaked them out. And so... Um, the original but, model, they had to discontinue for those reasons. Yeah, but with Ray-Ban, how can you even tell? For example, when I wear my, you know, this glass is more for computer. It's just block the, the blue ray. So yeah. I wear this for my eye strain. Um, yeah, like, for example, it looks kind of a little thicker than this glass. And yeah. it's pretty much that's it. So when I wear this to to buy a hamburger and I record the entire process. I even share on my, on my Facebook, just for testing. It's nobody noticed everybody work. Like I just wear this glass and talking to them and they don't feel like they are being shot and I didn't even get any consent. So it's kind of a little dangerous. If you think that if it is in locker room or woman's, you know, dressing room or something yeah they may end up banning that kind of stuff yeah it's yeah so that's another issue and the other one is oh this is the the, like uh xiaomi's innovative ar glasses bring qr code payments to life so they had a pattern which allows people to scan the qr code through ar glass and then do the process of paying. So I think this is a very interesting thing. So it reminds me of Amazon. They have 
no payment, no checkout store. You can just grab and run away, right? And you will kind of deduct from your Amazon account. And, and there's Apple one, Pay as well. Apple Pay is a similar type of yeah, system. Yeah, and AR Glass, it's pretty much, I don't know, what if you don't want to pay? You just want to look at that. <laughs> and it just the But maybe there's a, some, something that you can direct to pay. So yeah, I feel like cashier has a serious uh, danger they will get out of market because AR Glass, Apple Pay, and Amazon um, uh, store. So yeah, so all those high tech, high tech will be automate all those, yeah, all those process. The other one is, I, I just find out this is fun. Uh, Xiaoping's flying car prototype ends for sustainability. Um, yeah, um, but there are a lot of rooms to, to get improvement. Yeah, so yeah, it's just very interesting to see like uh, before we saw flying car will be, be done in the year of 2000, long time ago, but now nothing yet. But now somebody is trying to create flying car. The interesting thing for flying car is that I, I personally don't think it's sustain, uh, sustainable because just by lifting that giant a like giant thing and trying to hoover over it might be really loud and not really um, efficient for economy but uh, it's just very interesting to see that this this things from our imagination is finally like a ufo right like finally doing its it, its invention but i think it might need to do some some research for the engine because i don't think that that propeller uh, will be the best way to do the flying car. It should be something very similar to UFO that you use some types of certain rotation or something instead of using the, the, uh, the propeller to, to try to lift up the car. But uh, yeah, focus here on aerodynamics and yeah. con conservation of energy and all of the yeah, things I feel like supposed this... to just, we have a flying car. <laughs> we just put like, you know, some, some wheels, some fans on top of it and try to lift it up. I feel like the energy is not using in a sufficient way. What, what, what do you think, Jim? You are the expert. in cars. I don't want it landing on my house by accident. <laughs> that's, that's the thing that bothers me. And, or hitting um, power lines. You know? Yeah, and burst, yeah. right? Burst. People, people doing enough crazy things in non-flying cars that I don't want them in flying cars. There was a, uh, I was up working late one night and I lived on a major street and I heard this screeching of tires and all this stuff and this banging around. I looked outside and a car had flipped over on the street in front of my house. And um so I immediately called 911 because, you know, if your car flips over, there's a good chance that you're going to be seriously injured. And um, so the 911 operator asked me, is there actually anyone in the car? And I thought, well, that's an incredibly stupid question. You know, how did the car get there? But I went out and checked. And sure enough, there was no one in the car. Uh, they had gotten out and run away. And so um, anyways, I don't want that person flying in a car above my house maybe ai can be the driver no no i don't want 
Definitely. I'm just gonna say that's Jim yeah, <laughs> is a hundred percent against that, a hundred thousand percent or more. Yeah. I, I think this flying car should be transferred to the shape of disc, right? UFO, right? Um, yeah, like more like a flying saucers instead of this. I just feel like this is not energy efficient and that propeller will cut, you know, what if, runs, what, what if it runs out of gas or the batteries die or whatever? While it's, it's just like a fall down and yeah. crash bunch of people. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't think this is like a useful, and uh, I I still think UFO might be a better solutions for for this one. But uh, it's yeah, what happens to the UFO industry if we have flying cars? Now you're not going to be able to tell the difference. But I think a UFO probably more like a fits to the aerodynamic. Yeah, I think the UFO. Yeah, more, yeah, and UFO, you know, like it can go down to the water and fly and change the direction. Yeah. There's got to be a patent out there somewhere, Jim, right? (laughs) Or maybe not. If there's no patent, that design can be stolen. (laughs) No, there's 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 been a lot of work in flying cars, been going on for a long time, but I think the big hurdle is it's just a big safety issue. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know how practical this can be, but it's just very interesting to see. We finally lived up the cars. Well, it's a. It was in the Jetsons, so um, that was a cartoon. It was big when I was a little kid, and uh, so you know they had flying cars in the Jetsons, but they didn't have to deal with people getting killed by them. <laughs> cool, cool. That we yeah. saw. That we saw. Yeah. That would have yeah. changed the the nature of the cartoon slightly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I think we have another new um, person joining us, Richard. Um, hi, Richard. Do you want to say hi to us? I mean, usually it's four of us every week. You want to have an introduction or just say hi? Can unmute yourself. I don't know whether you are at the desk or not. If you are. Okay, it's fine. No worries. Jacqueline, uh, your camera is black now. I know I'm getting sick and it's just a hot mess over here. So I'm, I'm black now. (laughs) That's okay. No worries. Yeah. So thank you everybody for joining us today and uh, yeah. And see you guys next Saturday. Bye-bye. Bye everyone.